in prayer. And let me go ahead and say this. We appreciate every one of you being here and especially our visitors. Thank you all for coming to Merville Baptist Church. It means so much to us for you to come and choose this place to be a part of your day with the Lord. And I pray that it truly is a day with the Lord. I'm going to ask Brother Dr. Titus Crisp if he will to come and open us in prayer this morning. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you once again, God, I want to say I love you. Thank you most of all for loving me, Lord, in spite of who I am and all the things that I have done and could do. Lord, you love me anyway. And I sure do thank you for that today. God, I wouldn't be here, God, if you hadn't loved me. Lord, I'd probably be in the depths of hell this morning, God, if you hadn't loved me. God, I don't think we'll ever fully understand your love for us, Lord, how unconditional it is. But I sure do thank you for it. And I thank you, Lord, for allowing us each and everyone to be here today. God, as I've said already this morning, I'll say it again. Lord, the songwriter was truly right. Lord, when he said, all is vain, unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. God, we can go through the motions. We know how to have church and act like we're in church. But God, I pray that you'd show up. God, it wouldn't be just another average service. But God, you'd show up and that you'd speak to us and give us what we need today. Lord, you know each and every one of us and the conditions of our heart and what we stand with you and what we stand in need of. And I pray we'd be receptive of your word today. That God the Holy Ghost would have his will and way and free reign of the service, Lord, in our hearts. And we'd be sensitive and obedient to you and, and uh, listen to you and do business with you today. That we wouldn't leave the same way we came. God, we'd leave with a greater desire, Lord, to, to draw closer to you, Lord, and a touch from you this morning. I pray that you bless the choir now as they stand up to sing. God, I pray that you fill them up, Lord, help them, Lord, to think about what they're singing about. God, and worship you in spirit and in truth today. That we clear our hearts and minds of all other things and just keep our hearts and minds upon you today. Lord, I pray for our pastor, Lord, as he stands to preach. God, he's a great man, but he's still just a man. Lord, he needs your touch and he needs your help. And I pray, Lord, you to fill him with the Holy Ghost today. Lord, I pray that you give him a fresh anointing. Uh, Lord, I pray that you to open up our eyes into your word and do great things in our midst. Lord, I pray especially for everyone here lost and everyone saved by the grace of God. God, the Holy Ghost, to deal with their heart. Lord, and draw them unto you. Lord, they get saved before it's everlasting too late. Thank you once again letting us be here, Lord. I'm looking forward to what you have in store for us today. And just pray we'd be sensitive and obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remain standing. It's good to see everybody out. Good to be in God's house this morning. Just looking for what God would have for us this morning. So let's all sing out. Page 113.
may be seated. Thank you. 
fellowship while the choir comes down. If you have any tithes and offerings, you can bring them at this time and give them. see all of you. We appreciate all of you being here, especially our visitors. Thank you all for coming to Merville Baptist. Amen. Let me make some quick announcements just to uh, keep you on board of all that we got going on. Remember that Vacation Bible School is coming up the last week, begins the 25th of this month through the 28th. We'll have a house full of kids, and I say glory to God for it. Amen. Try to reach them for Jesus while we can. I promise you this, the world's trying to reach them for the devil. Amen. The church better be doing its part in the, in the life of young people. Amen. Um, also, also, remember homecomings coming up on the very last Sunday of this month. On July the 31st, Brother Mike Blanton and his family will be in. They'll be singing. Brother Mike will be preaching for us. So remember this and what we do. We don't have Sunday school that day. We all bring piles. I'm talking about piles. Piles of food. I mean steaks, inch and a half thick. Medium well. Amen. And smothered in onions and bell peppers and cream taters. Amen. Stuff like that. And we all bring it, put it over there. No, don't leave yet. We're not eating yet. Hang on, hang on. You mentioned food around this bunch. They're ready to eat. But we'll, we'll have morning service, and after morning service, we'll all gather in the fellowship hall and enjoy, listen to me, the blessings of God together. Had it not been for the Lord providing all this food for us, we wouldn't have any to eat. Can I get a witness right there? So anyway, that'll be on the very last Sunday of this month. And then I need to mention this. If any of you will, uh, starting tonight, listen to this big announcement. It's just come out of the press. If you'll be here beginning tonight through the next seven, eight nights, Sunday nights, we're going to begin a discipleship course that I'll be teaching and preaching through. And at the end of that, we'll give you a nice certificate of completion, a diploma of discipleship. And uh, so that'll be starting tonight. Be sure to be back this evening at 5 o'clock. And uh, we'll go through this discipleship course together. And uh, that'll be a blessing right there. Um, 
right after morning service, right after morning service is said and done, me and Sister Jessica Satterfield need to meet with all the young married couples that are here today. Young married couples, we want to talk to you about some Sunday school efforts. So if you will, be, meet us right down here. We'll meet with you short. It won't take us long. But meet with us right after morning service. And we'll talk to you about what's on our hearts. I want to do something real special this morning. Real special. It's a, called a church thing. Occasionally some of our people might go through something. And we just need to gather around as a church family and pray for them. And I want to ask Sister Ashley Jackson. And uh, if she will to come down here this morning. Got to have some surgery this coming Tuesday. Is that right? Tomorrow, this coming Monday. And I want all the ladies of the church to gather around Sister Ashley and pray for her. And God knows all about it. I don't want to name it before anyone, but I do want all of our people to come. Pray a special prayer for Sister Ashley this morning. So let's all, I tell you what, let's all stand. Let's all stand. Ladies, y'all come gather around and let's let God be God in our prayers this morning. Men, you pray too. You pray also, men. and Pray for Sister Ashley. Pray for Josh. That God to be with him and his family. Let's take care of him. Be seated. You can be seated. 
their heads were low, their steps were slow, as they walked along that long and mayest road. Then a man appeared, and as he drew near, he said, why are you so sad? Are things really that bad? And they said, Sir, have you not heard why you must be a stranger in this town? Because the one who came in the Father's name, well, he has been cut down they laid his body in the ground And as they walked and talked He began to explain About this Jesus and why he came He opened the scriptures Began to teach that preacher Preachers he began to preach In the wilderness the children Had nothing to eat Oh, a manna from heaven fell down at their feet When they were dry and thirsty in a foreign land Water came forth out of a rock in the sand When the three Hebrew children Thrown in the flame A fourth man appeared even Man of the water The man all the same So if you're still confused Let me say this real plain It was me He said it was me Yeah, I'm the one you left back there On Calvary it was me Now who do you think hung the stars in the sky? Who do you think made the day and the night? Who made the flowers? Who made the trees? Who made the sun and the moon and the seas? And who gives life to all who believe? And who do you think made the blind man to see? Who did this very air that you breathe? And who defeated death and won the victory? He said it was me, it was me, yeah I'm the one that died for you on Calvary, he said it was me, now who loved you when no one else would, and who saved you when no one else could? It was me sing or talk, I always think I got to go deep with my voice. <laughs> Are y'all doing okay? <laughs> I, saw a, I saw a sign on a church. Somebody sent me a picture of a signboard like Sister Kathy and Brother Tim keep ours up for us outside. 
It's a big old sign. This church had out there says, we love hurting people. We love hurting people. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, I believe God has a sense of humor. Amen. Amen. I know he does. He made us. Amen. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't looked in the mirror lately, have you? Uh, John chapter 19 this morning. John chapter 19. I do... Honestly, from the depths of my heart, I thank all of you for being here. It means so much to a, a pastor to see people gather together to meet with the Lord and to hear from Him. And I pray that while we're gathered around the good Word of God today, that, that the Lord would manifest Himself to us all. John chapter 19, we're going to look at just one verse of Scripture. I will ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word if you're able. If you're not, we understand. And that's perfectly all right, too. John chapter 19, just one verse of Scripture. We've been in this series for quite a while, and we want to continue on through. And We've got one more, one more thought to express to you from this series, but we want to look at this one verse of Scripture this morning. Out of John chapter 19 and verse number 30. Remember Jesus is hanging on the cross. And he's just said I thirst. And they run and fill some hyssop with vinegar. And they reach it to him with a reed up to his lips. And he says this. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar. He said. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. We want to preach on that simple thought on what Jesus said on this, with this uh, series of messages on listening to Calvary. It is finished. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, today as we gather, Lord, ourselves together around the good Word of God, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you'd please bless this time together. Lord, this is sacred time. This is a, a time that a lot of people around this world don't know a thing about. But, Lord, here we are as, as Americans in this great land that you've given us. And, Lord, with liberty to still gather around the Word of God. Lord, as we do, we're asking God for your presence to manifest itself in such a way that, Lord, when we leave this place, every one of us will say, God was there. God was truly in that place today. Now, God, help us with the help of God, and please touch me that I might feed your sheep, and, Lord, that I might feed them well. And Lord, without you, I can't do this. It's way bigger than me, Lord, and I'm asking God for the touch of God upon me. Please endue me, please endow me, please help me, Father. Lord, I need you this morning. And Lord, we'll thank you for everything that you'll accomplish. For it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray and ask these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You be seated this morning. There's no doubt who this is hanging on this cross. It's the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. 
Jesus Christ. The Lord made certain that we would know who this is. He has prophesied so many prophecies in the Word of God concerning His arrival, and now He's come. He's lived 33 and a half years, a short time span. In actuality, just 33 and a half years, Jesus Christ has lived on Calvary, on this earth, and now He's placed on this hill called Calvary. We've already looked at some things that He's had to say to us as He hung there. We looked at His first thought when He said, Father, You forgive them, for they know not what they do. I believe that that is the greatest need of man is the forgiveness of God. We all need God to forgive us, every one of us. We're all sinners in the, in the eyes of God. We're all sinners before Him. And how we all need to realize that we need God's forgiveness of our sins. And thank God Jesus Christ prayed that prayer on Calvary. We then looked at the thought where one of the thieves, there was two hanging with him that day, but one of them realized his condition and realized who Jesus was. And he looked over there at Jesus and he said, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? The Lord replied to him, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. As Brother Titus was testifying, it's not a payment plan, it's not a progressive thing, salvation's immediate. God means business when He saves somebody, and He saved him that day. Didn't have time to join a church, get baptized, do good works, any of that stuff. He just actually just believed on Jesus Christ, and Christ saved his soul. Then we looked at the thought whenever Jesus was looking through all of the sweat and blood that was flowing down his body. He looked through the crowd and he saw his mama beholding his mother. He said, woman, behold thy son. Speaking of John, the disciple. And he looked at John and he said, John, she's now your mama. And what he was saying in essence was, John, take care of my mama. Take care of Mama. She's done so much for me. You take care of her. Then we looked at a thought of when the entire land, the entire world turned black. Out of the blackness pierced the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that darkness, Jesus Christ experienced some things that people who die without Christ will experience all of eternity. He experienced the separation between Him and God. He experienced the darkness that every person who dies and goes to eternity without God will experience for all of eternity darkness. No light. They rejected light down here. And now there's no darkness for them for eternity. He experienced all these things. Then we looked last, this past Sunday, we looked at that thought where he said, I thirst. The horrors of Calvary were continuing. You see, in hell, there is no water. There's nothing to quench the thirst of man in a place called hell. 
Jesus Christ experienced all the sufferings that lost man will experience as he dies without God, without hope, and spends eternity in a lake of fire. Now we come to this sixth saying of Christ. He's hanging there and his body's been up under the weight of Calvary now for six hours. They nailed him about nine o'clock that morning. Raised him up between heaven and earth and the Son of God hung there. He had already been bleeding as they had prior to that beaten his body beyond recognition. They had taken, they had taken spikes and driven them through his nails and through his feet. They had driven a crown of thorns on his head and, and smashed it, beat it into his brow with a reed. I heard this preacher say this one time. He said, if you saw Calvary, it's not what you would want to hanging in your home as a picture. It's an awful place, an awful thing that Jesus Christ was experiencing because, because he loved me and he loved you. Ain't nobody ever loved me like that. Nobody's ever loved me enough to give, willingly give his life in such a fashion as Jesus Christ did that day. His parched lips, he's crying for something to quench his thirst. And his parched lips are, are touched with a, a, a bunch of hyssop. Vinegar penetrates the lips and cracks that's in his lips. He looks and he now knows that everything is at the end. And he says, it is finished. He didn't say I'm finished. <laughs> he said it. It. What, what did he mean by those three simple words? What did Christ mean when he said pronounce this? It's important. It's, it's recorded for us for all of eternity. To understand what Jesus recorded. What he meant when he said it is finished. Three little words, but so powerful. A meaning behind it in the Greek is just one word. In the original Greek is just one word. And I know I don't know any Greek. I, I know one that owns a restaurant, but uh, pretty good food there. But I, I don't know Greek or Hebrew. It's just one word in the Greek. It's a word that means completeness. It's a word that means it's finished. It's a word that means that it's now, in essence, nothing else can be put to it. The Jewish people use that word and that expression even today in their customs. It's a, it's a word that, that an artist would use. An artist would be working on his work, whether it be a painting or a sculptor. And whenever that artist would brush his last stroke with his brush, or when he would chip away the last piece that needed to be chiseled, that artist would step back and look at his piece and he would examine it with an artist's eye. And looking at that, that piece that he's created, if it met his... his uh, his scrutiny of eyes and, and examination, he would say, 
it is finished. <laughs> Nothing else can be put to it. Nothing. It needs no other stroke, no other chipping. It's complete. It's just like I want it. It's a word that a merchant would use at times. A Jewish man would walk up to a merchant and desire to buy something that he was, he was selling. And they would, they would uh, dicker back in two about a price. And when they finally met a price, then the man, would, the man buying would give the money. And the merchant would take out a piece of paper and he would write this word on it. It is finished. Meaning that it had been paid for in full. Nothing else was needed. Not another cent need to be owed to own what he had purchased. It's a word not only that an artist would use or a merchant, but it was also a, it was also a priest word. The priest would use it. You know, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people up under the law of, of Moses, they had to bring these sacrifices to God and offer sacrifices for their sins. The offering had to be perfect. If it were a lamb, it could not have a blot or a blemish to it. It had to be perfect. The priest would look at it. He would examine it, and if this little offering, whether it be a lamb or whatever it was, if it met the criteria, the priest would pronounce it is finished. It's acceptable. It's okay. God will accept this offering. And he would pronounce this word, it is finished. It was also a word that a servant would use. Whenever a master would send a servant out and give him a chore to do, Give him a task at hand. That servant would not return to that, to that master's house until he could say it was finished. It is a word that is commonly used in the Jewish community. But this is Jesus Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary. It's not the ending of anything, but I declare to you that it is the beginning of salvation for us all. It didn't mean that Jesus Christ had come to His end, but that the work of God, the work of Calvary, was now complete. There's nothing more that needs to be added to Calvary. You can't take anything from it, can't add anything to it. It's just like God wants it. And Jesus cries, It is finished. It is finished. I want us to take those three words and just consider some three simple things this morning as we look at what Jesus said and listen to Calvary. I want to say number one, when He cried, it is finished. It meant that the sacrifice of a body is now finished. Down through all the years up until Calvary, it was always required that a body had to be had to be given as a sacrifice. Beginning all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You remember Adam and Eve was put in a perfect environment, given, given everything that they would ever need. They were given only one command. And in the heart of that man and woman was a heart of disbelief and they disobeyed God and sin entered the world. That's why we all sin today. We've got that inherent nature of sin in all of us. 
And Adam and Eve sinned against God. You remember what they did? They realized that they were naked and it said that they took fig leaves and sewed those fig leaves together and draped them around them to cover up their nakedness. And that represents the religion of man. That was man's efforts to cover up his shame and cover up his sin. And religion's okay until God shows up. Religion's all right until God shows up in a person's life. Your religion's all right until God, you stand before God and God shows up in your life. God showed up in that garden. He cried out, Adam, where art thou? And those words bounced off of the trees until those words found Adam hiding behind the trees, which were the blessings of God. You know, there's a lot of people that hide behind the blessings of God. Oh, I can't, I can't do this. I can't go to church. I can't get saved because I've got this. I've got that. Uh, my family, my job, my, my, the things that I... Listen, those are the blessings of God. You better make time for God somewhere in your life. Hiding behind the blessings of God. God says, what have you done? You remember what God did? He would not accept their fig leaves. And the Bible says that he made them coats of skins in that garden. You know what that means? It was a little animal. I personally believe it was a lamb. If I know anything about God and the way he observes typology, I believe it was a little lamb in that, God, in that garden already provided for by God. And there was that little lamb and God slaughtered that lamb and took that little lamb's fleece and, and made coats of skins out of, out of that lamb's, that, that, that lamb's uh, wool and skin and, and covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Whenever, whenever man got to populating earth, man's wickedness was so paramount in the days of Noah that it said that God was going to destroy man from the earth. And God did. There was, a, there was a worldwide flood that happened to this earth. And only eight people were saved in that day. Adam, uh, I mean Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives. Only eight people saved in that day. And they got off of that, that ark and walked out on dry land. And the Bible says that they offered an offering to the Lord. There was always an offering being made to the Lord. Always a sacrifice. Always a little body was given its life to atone for their sins. Now we come to Jesus Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary. We may not think about it, but He had this body prepared for Him. A body made like unto our sinful flesh. And his body was broken and bruised on Calvary for mine and your sins. We deserve that. We all deserve that. Every one of us deserved to be beaten and, and to even suffer in hell for our sins. But here's Jesus Christ hanging on Calvary. They've broken his body by beating it with rods and now he's bruised beyond recognition. I bruise easily. 
I'm on blood thinners and I can touch something and I, my skin will bruise. I learned something about a bruise. I began studying what it means to, what is a bruise? Our blood, our blood is made from red and white cells. That's what composes our blood. That's why it run, runs red is because of all the red uh, cells that it has. But when a bruise happens, it'll turn blue and purple. <laughs> red, white, blue, and purple. Do you know what colors were in the veil of the temple? Red, white, blue, and purple. And whenever Jesus Christ said it is finished, the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. You know why? Because God, I believe the hands of God took that veil and rent it in twain. And made the way into heaven wide open for me and you. That was the body. That represented the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he went through. His whole body was just one bruise. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, he has bruised him. It pleased the Lord to bruise the Lord Jesus Christ. He took what we deserved. He took our sin and our shame. And thank God he did. He did it all for us because he loved us that much. There was no other way. No other way. God would accept no other way but for Jesus Christ to be bruised in his body. But not only did it mean that the body, the, the sacrifice of a body was finished, it also meant this. It meant that the shedding of blood is final. With every body that was, that was a sacrificed, blood was shed. Bible says that life is in the flesh of the blood. Life of the flesh is in the blood. And with every sacrifice of a body, there was blood that had, it took the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for you and I to be saved. When we commemorate the, the Lord's Supper, we always commemorate the body and the blood. And thank God for that shed blood. Oh, had it not been for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, none of us in this room would be saved. You see, in the Old Testament, the shedding of animals' bloods would never take away sins. It would never cover the sins of, of those who were making the offering. It would never satisfy. It would never appease the wrath of God. It would never, it would never just... An, an animal's blood would never atone for man's sins. It had to be a man, a perfect man. Somebody that was, that was made for that purpose and it was Jesus Christ. And he shed his blood on Calvary so that you and I could be saved by the free grace of God. If I told you that I wanted to give you something very, very uh, costly. If I wanted to give you something... Say, say, I came up to Brady and I said, Brady, I've got a knife in my pocket. And I mean, and I do. And this knife, this knife is worth millions. I'm talking about, I, I've got something right here. And Brady, I want to give that to you. And Brady would say, well, I don't really want it. 
I, I really don't want it, Brother John. You keep it. I'd be turning down. I'd be foolish. But how foolish is man today to be offered by God the free, the free gift of salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It cost Jesus Christ everything. And how foolish is man to say no to that offer that God offers. Me and Debbie went up to Pigeon Forge one time. I don't know. No, she don't have them on right now. But we were celebrating our, I think it was our 40, 43rd, 43rd anniversary. It was up in Pigeon Forge. I had something in my mind. I love doing for that woman. I do. I love buying for her. I love giving her stuff. I just love to see her gifted with something for me. And I had in mind I was going to take her. I went all out. I took her to Belk. <laughs> Son. I was, I was high rolling. And she didn't know. I just said, let's go to Belk. And we pulled in Belk and we walked around. I, and I led her over there to the, the jewelry counter. And I said, now, Deb, you pick out anything you want. I mean, I was, I was putting it on, son. <laughs> and she looked around. And she chose her a string of pearls. And those pearls, I mean, they were glistening. They, they were beautiful. They were called Effie, Effie Pearls, E-F-F-Y. We had to fill out paperwork for them. I mean, it, it, in a few days after we mailed in that paperwork, we got papers on them of authenticity. And I'm beautiful. But it's not the pearls that make that's beautiful. Her wearing it is what makes it beautiful. I thought I'd get an awe out of the women right there. Oh, and no, I don't have any brothers. <laughs> but I just love doing for, do you know God loves doing for us? He loves giving things to us, Brother Warren. He loves to see you adorn what He's given you. He loves you to see you enjoying the salvation that He's given you. But it cost His Son everything when He hung on Calvary. Every drop of blood was not wasted at Calvary. Every drop of blood was shed to atone for yours and my sins. And thank God. You know what I got to think about this? It's so powerful of a blood. That the, the day I got saved, I found it was just as powerful as it was in the days of Paul. It's not lost any of its power. I know this modern gospel crowd. I, I know that they say you can get saved and, and go back to what you were when you got. No, 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 no. That's not, the, that's not the power that's in this blood of Christ. When that blood is applied to a person's life, there will be a change are you listening to me? There will be a change in a person's life. They won't want to go back to the old way of life. They won't want the old sin anymore. It'll be a change in their lives forever. And thank God it is. I was, I was a mess when I got saved at the age of 29. I, you're talking about papers. I had papers on me as a sinner. I mean, I was good at it. 
and God saved me and changed my life completely. I wouldn't go to church before I got saved. Now I can't wait to get to church. I didn't care nothing about, I didn't even own a Bible before I got saved. First thing I did after I got saved, went and bought a Bible. I mean, it'll be a change toward God when a person gets saved. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. It's precious blood. When he says it is finished, it meant that that blood of shedding was now final. Then I want to say this lastly. I, before I go anywhere, I want, to, I want to give you this. You ever thought about this? Those Jewish people over there in Jerusalem, and God love them, I, I love them, I pray for Jew, the Jews. I loved, to, I loved witnessing the Jews about the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they don't, they don't want any, they, most of them don't want to even hear it. I love witnessing to them. But those Jews over there in Jerusalem, all they do is they just ceremoniously observe Passover. They don't go out there and cut a lamb's throat and catch the blood. They don't do all of that anymore. You know why? Because they rejected the lamb that God sent them. And now they have no offering, no sacrifice. Whenever Jesus Christ gave his blood, that was it. God will accept no other offering, no other sacrifice, no other need for any other lamb because Jesus Christ paid it all on Calvary. And now I want to say this. Not only did it mean these things, but it also meant that salvation for believers is now free. 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 I'm standing here today saved and forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary for me. I'm trusting no other thing. I'm not trusting me. I'm not trusting my preaching. And God knows I, I, I'd fail miserably on that. I'm not trusting my pastoring. I'm not trusting my, my being a good husband to Debbie. I'm not trusting anything that about me. I'm trusting completely in what Jesus Christ has done for me at Calvary. He paid it all. He gave everything that needed. He said, it is finished. All you've got to do is believe in what Jesus Christ has done for you. And you'll be saved by the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. We're saved by what Christ did at Calvary. Sis, you come on to the piano. I want to say this. There's a lot of people deceived today about this thing called salvation. I was talking to Brother Greg Pierce last night. I'd called him and uh, didn't, wasn't able to talk to him. He wasn't able to talk to me at that time, and he called me back last night. And I was talking to Brother Greg Pierce, and he said that he was talking to a man one time, <clears throat> and he asked the man, he said, Sir, he said, are you saved? He said, oh, yeah. He said, God saved you? He said, oh, yeah, God saved me. But what he was talking about was a car wreck that he was in. And when he asked him, was he saved? He meant God saved me from that car wreck. He said, I, God spared my life and I, I'm here today because God saved me from that car wreck. That's not salvation. Because you've done this, because you've been through that, does not mean you're saved. 
Salvation, listen to me closely, salvation is only in Jesus Christ. Nowhere else can you be saved outside of Jesus Christ. There's no other, there's no other plan. There's not a plan B. There's not, there's not a, another church you can go to and, and get saved through it. You don't get saved by being a member of a church. And a lot of people think, well, if I'm just a member of a Brother John's church, or if I'm a member of the Catholic church, or if I'm a member of the Presbyterians, or if I'm a member of this church, I'm okay with God. No, 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 no. The church is not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. People think, well, I'll get baptized. You can get baptized. I can baptize you. Titus can baptize you. We'll even put Warren up there. Let him baptize you three or four times. And it will do nothing to save your soul. There's people so deceived about this thing called salvation. And I want to say this loudly and I want to say it boldly. If there's not been a change in your life since the day you got saved, there's something wrong with that salvation. When the person gets saved, there will be an, a definite change toward God and toward Jesus Christ in their life. You won't go back and live the way that you always lived. You won't be able to just live in sin and enjoy it if you're a child of God. Are you listening to me? You will not be able to live in sin and enjoy it if you're a child of God. God will not put up with it in a child of God's life. He will chastise you. Oh yeah, He'll take you to the woodshed. He'll chastise you if you're saved. If you're not saved, I'd come running. I'd get to this altar today and call upon the name of the Lord. If you're not saved by the grace of God, I wouldn't put it off till the next service. I wouldn't wait till a, another opportunity to go to church. I'd run to Jesus. Jesus is just about to split the heavens and come back. If you're not right with God, you're going to be left behind. You're going to be left behind and go through the great tribulation. You better, if you can't, if you can't walk, you better get somebody to help you get to this altar.